Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Keith Reed-Lingley. And I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. Alright folks, it's been a very busy week for all of us, even though we can't really go anywhere. That doesn't quite mean things aren't still happening in the world, let's talk about. So this week we're going to be talking about some gaming news and also some adaptations, both good and bad, and some hopes that we have with those. So to start off, Victoria, how's your week been? It's been pretty good. So we're coming to the close of the semester, which is, for a lot of people, surviving the semester has been a lot, right? So we have a lot of virtual commencements on Tuesday. So I'm excited to, to see some of our students kind of parting it up in their houses, and we'll see how that goes. But congratulations, everyone. You made it through another semester of school. So good job. Yes, congratulations to everybody out there. We're all surviving and moving forward in the world. It might not be the way we plan to, but we're still making progress, right? Absolutely. And another place, I guess, that is making progress is PlayStation. PlayStation is coming out with PlayStation Studios, which is an umbrella for their first-party developers. So PlayStation has been working with first-party studios for quite a while now. They have Naughty Dog, Insomniac, Santa Monica Studios, a whole bunch of them that are their kind of standard go-tos for games, right? If those developers are going to come out with a game, it's probably coming out on PlayStation. And so what PlayStation Studios will be is an umbrella brand for all of these first-party studios as well as some other smaller devs. And I see a couple of reasons for this, right? One is obviously branding, so that when you see those names, they come along with the PlayStation brand, which is good for both PlayStation and saying, hey, these are quote-unquote our games, but also good for the developers to say, look, we've got this partnership with PlayStation. That gives them a little bit of clout, which is the second thing, right? Clout is huge. And I also think that it could be, if done right, it could be a really cool kind of mentorship program. It sounds like PlayStation, while they won't be having a hand in any of the actual development, they will be a little bit more involved on the production side of things, kind of making sure that things are going well and giving a hand with that, so helping out as well. The change is supposed to take place later this year, and it seems like it's going to be a bit retroactive as well, especially, like I said, with some of those first-party studios that they've been working with for years. It seems like those are automatically going to be incorporated into this Umbrella brand, and we know that because the trailer that came out announcing this move showcased characters from already released titles like God of War and Ratchet and & Clank and Horizon Zero Dawn. So it seems like this is going to be a bit retroactive and then going forward it will have all of the developers that they normally work with and they'll be able to bring in some newer developers as well to kind of give that helping hand up and involve them in this worldwide brand. So what do you think about that, Keith? 
This seems cool to me. So this essentially comes off as a you scratch my back, I'll scratch your situation. And to make sure we're on the same page, what I'm saying is happening here is that PlayStation is stepping in to help these small developers, essentially give them access to their resources, but still allowing them to have the autonomy and freedom to kind of do their own thing, right? That's what it sounds like. And and again, for the, the first party studios that they've been working with for years, it seems like they're making that relationship maybe a little bit more official of like, yeah, this is this is part of the PlayStation brand instead of just like, yeah, our games come out on PlayStation. Thank you. Okay, let's clarify. So that sounds like a genius move for me for a variety of reasons. For one, everybody wins as long as the games go well, and this ultimately the likelihood of that because these developers get to have the backing of this ginormous global brand to support them what they want to do, but they still get to use their own ideas and processes that made the game successful in the first place. And then when they come out and they're good, PlayStation and developers can both say, like, hey, we did that. Help us. Out. Like, we look really good for that, right? Another reason I think this is amazing is because it establishes a pipeline, both of product, but also talent. So, like, when it comes to product, the games are being made, like, down the line. This is establishing our relationship and strengthening that so we get more good content down the line. But it's also good because when you think about people who are developing these games, when it comes to actual developers and people involved in the production of them, they're now technically working for PlayStation. And that's a great thing to do. That can get you deeper into that brand and that company, and you can build a career out of that that you would not might not have otherwise officially. So this is just great in general. Like I'm sure because it's just like a global corporation involved, there's some things there involved that I'm not aware of that I wouldn't like, but I don't know them right now, so I won't comment on those. That's fair. And something that I just thought of when you were talking that I didn't think of before you were saying those things about the pipelines, right? This might open up for some different collaborations to be kind of like grease the wheels of those collaborations that may or may not have happened before, or at least would have been more difficult between the studios. So that could be cool as well. What have you got for us this week? As our listeners probably know by now, I tend to lean more into the TV and film news and everything. And the first thing that came to mind here is actually a product that's close to my heart, and my heart is a bit broken right now, seeing how things are rolling out. So just to backtrack some, do you remember 2019 when the world was still admittedly chaotic, but we could still do things like go to the movies? You know, back when Man America collectively embraced the genius of Korean director Bong Joon-ho for Parasite? Well, I and many other sci-fi fans, many of whom I'm sure listen to this podcast, were already hip to who Bong Joon-ho was. My personal introduction to his work came from 2013 Snowpiercer, a film that stars Chris Evans as the leader of a mutiny on a train car, on a train called Snowpiercer that's been circling the post-apocalyptic world for decades with the poor people living in the back of the slums doing all kinds of horrible work and being mistreated, and the richer people being towards the front. And you can just imagine how that snowflake plays out. And it's a great examination of classism, much like Parasite, if you're seeing a pattern here, but also includes some dope action sequences, like there are guys fighting with axes, there's martial arts involved, all kinds of cool stuff, right? And the film honestly been the top of my quote-unquote tell everyone to watch this on the I Look Cool list for a few years now. So after five years of being stuck in production hell, TNT finally got their stuff together to produce a television series adaptation of the film, starring Davi Diggs, Jennifer Connelly, Michael Malley, among many, many other people. The job was essentially to stretch a two-hour movie that's a 94% of Rotten Tomatoes and make it an entire television series. And based on initial reviews, it doesn't seem like the job was done too well. And I just did a quick breeze through Google, and there are so many train puns in these reviews. CNN says, Snowpiercer takes off on a post-apocalyptic train and runs off the rail. 
And the ringer says TNT Snowpiercer should have never left the station. So before I get deeper into it, first of all, how familiar are you with Snowpiercer? And second of all, does this give you any reservations about the adaptation of Parasite we're supposed to be getting soon? So I am not really familiar with Snowpiercer or Parasite. I know I am super behind. Um, Snowpiercer is one that has been coming up on my Netflix recommendations for literally years now. And I still haven't watched it, and I understand that that makes me a bad person. I'm okay with that. I'll get to it. Like we said, semester's over. I might actually have time for things like movies again. But it sounds good. I mean, we've had we've had a lot of these movies that talk about classism, but I tend to pay particular attention to ones that come from outside America just because I feel like self-awareness sometimes is a little bit better in international films. Um, so I those two have definitely been on my list, but it sounds like... Part of what made me skeptical about the movie might be happening with the television adaptation, and that is, like, at some point, you're on a moving vehicle that can't stop. At what point are you watching NASCAR, right? Nothing against NASCAR, but, like, you're going in a circle, right? There's... there's only so much that can happen and I think that sometimes the issue with that is that for an audience it doesn't feel like there can be an end point and you can get away with it in a movie in a way that when you're trying to draw that out for a TV series sometimes just isn't as possible. Alright so first of all this summer I need you to like just lock yourself into a room and consume all the content you possibly can <laughs> because there's like so much gold okay. out there that you haven't experienced. And I'm a little jealous you haven't seen it yet, actually. And with that, we'll go ahead and take a break. So, this episode of This Week in Nerd News is sponsored by Wiretap, the Chrome extension that makes Netflix social. It's live tweeting made for your Netflix life. See thoughtful commentary and theories from Netflix bloggers and super fans and never watch your favorite movie or series alone. Whether you want to engage with others or be a fly on the wall to scroll through the latest fan theories, Wiretap makes Netflix communication easy right from your Chrome browser. Go to wiretap.co or search Wiretap in the Chrome store and join the future of streaming. That's wiretap.co. As a bonus, many of your favorite writers from Black Nerd Problems, including us at This Week at Nerd News, are going to be using this service. So over the next two weeks, from April 11th to April 25th, Mikkel, Keith, and I will be watching and commenting on Season 1 of Haikyuu. So we have been talking about this for a while. We've been wanting to do a group binge of this volleyball anime for forever. And now you can watch along with us. So add the Wiretap Chrome extension to join the conversation. So let's jump back into it with some more gaming news because really that's what I'm here for. Um, but 
Epic's Unreal Engine has been the game engine behind some of our most beloved and well-known titles. If you play a lot of video games, then you've probably at least heard of Unreal because it is the foundation for tons of franchises like Bioshock, the gazillion Tom Clancy games, the Batman Arkham series, Gears of War, Mass Effect. I could go on for a very, very long time. There's an entire Wikipedia page dedicated to just being a list of games out uh, that use Unreal Engine. So this is a game engine that has a long and tried and true history and they're coming out with Unreal Engine 5, and I've got to say, I am super excited. Every iteration of Unreal that we've seen has been, as the name suggests, kind of Unreal, right? It pushes the graphics and the rendering forward in such an incredible way, and Unreal Engine 5 looks like it's going to do the same thing. The official scientific tech thing that they have changed is something called Nanite Virtualized Micropolygon Geometry, which is, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. But what it really is, if I'm understanding this right, somebody's going to come for me and be like, that's not what Nanite Virtualized Micropolygon Geometry is. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry in advance. But from what I can what I can gather is the polygon geometry is basically allowing developers to have far more shapes that they can input into the system. And the nanite part of it means that not only are there more shapes, but they can come in much smaller sizes, which means that you can render details in a way that is unprecedented. Um, It also has real-time scaling. You don't have to load anything onto the maps beforehand, which is kind of a dev thing, but you, you don't have to set the maps and then kind of go off of them, if that makes sense. They will scale in real time. So you can just tell the computer what you want it to do, and as it moves through the world, it will build it instantaneously around you instead of building off of kind of a rougher model underneath. And the other thing that's happening with this is much more responsive lighting. So you can put in a light source and not only will it read where the light source is, but it will read where the character is and change the lighting based on how they are interacting with the world with that light source which is really cool, also instantaneous, and it makes this, it just looks amazing. If you haven't watched the demo reel, go and watch it. It's absolutely incredible. It feels like you're there. Um, It looks like a picture, especially, obviously when you're moving as well, which is really cool for games, but if you just stopped it and kind of took a screen grab and then showed it to your friend, they would not be able to tell you that this is a video game, which is huge. So it looks absolutely amazing. It's coming out in 2021. They said they're going to have an early release in the beginning of 2021 with a full release later. And it's also being released with forward compatibility, which means that 
games that are out now can kind of switch pretty quickly. And also anyone who's developing, because Unreal Engine is a free game engine that anyone can go and download and use for whatever their projects are. It means that if you are currently working on a project, when that switch happens, you don't have to worry about a really rough transition of getting everything that you've already worked on into the new engine. So that's really cool. I'm really excited. This is definitely going to be a huge step forward. I can play games and literally go into this new world where like, I forget that like I'm controlling it. That's so exciting. Absolutely. So what have you got to finish this up for this week? All right, well, for our big ticket item for this week, we have more adaptation news. It was announced this week that Disney Plus will be producing a live-action series based on the much-beloved Percy Jackson series, where Jackson, the demigodson of the site, trains to fight mythical beasts and crosses paths with every character from Greek mythology imaginable. Now, if it sounds familiar to you, you've probably seen one of the two films that came out in 2010 and 2013 that both made close to, if not more, than $200 million. And as someone who has not read any of the five books these scenes were based off of, I like them quite a lot. I like Rick mythology, and I'm a sucker for let me find out who I am and where I come from stories and all that thing, which is exactly what that movie is. And I had a lot of fun watching it, right? I was actually disappointed we didn't get more than that. And years later, I did some research as to why we didn't get a third one and found out that fans of the book series were pissed. Not only fans of the book series, but the writer of the book series, whose name is... Rick Reardon had a lot of tea about that. Like, he came out with email that he sent to 20th Century Fox saying, hey, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And they basically did the opposite of everything there. And I'm going to let you dive more into that, Victoria, because I don't know how good these movies could have been. <laughs> so, yeah, I am a huge Percy Jackson fan. I'm a huge Rick Reardon fan. I am a teacher so is Rick Reardon. He is a special education teacher, and the reason that he wrote these books is because he was noticing that not only were his students not really represented in fiction, but they also tended to kind of be down on themselves, right? When we talk about things like dyslexia, which is a huge part of the Percy Jackson series and the greater kind of mythology we tend to, whether, which we shouldn't, we tend to see it as like something that is wrong, something that makes you not normal. And he really wanted to normalize those things. And that's why all of the heroes have something that would be considered in our society, something abnormal, right? Something that makes them not normal, something that makes them maybe special education or all of these other things that we have but really what it is is a sign of their demigodhood it's a sign of how amazing they are and I just love this series I love how it's presented and then the movies happened I agree that if you hadn't read the books it would be like this is a really great movie about Greek mythology and if you've read the books it's like this is not a Percy Jackson story it can be a fine story it just isn't Percy Jackson. And so I'm excited not just that Disney Plus is picking this up, but I'm actually excited that it's going to be a series, kind of for the opposite reason of what we were talking about earlier with Snowpiercer. I think that this is one of those books that has the writer has done so much world building 
that when you try to put it into a two, two and a half hour movie, it's just not going to translate ever, right? So I think that by putting it into a series, they're going to be able to bring in those details that really flesh out the world and really make it so much more relatable and important for the young people that are its audience. You know, no one has ever explained Percy Jackson like that to me before. Like, again, I liked it. I liked the movies, and I knew I would enjoy the books if I got the time to read them. But hearing that part about what some people consider someone's flaws to actually be what makes them special and makes them amazing, that made me well up a little bit. I'm like, whoa, do you know how amazing that probably feels to be a kid? Like, coming across that story and feeling, and this thing that you were always insecure about actually being what makes you special and like being able to imagine that, like, that was barely in the movies. I feel like that was like alluded to when like, yes, like Percy had dyslexia and you also had, I don't remember character names, what we were trying to pretend to. It's been like seven years. Other characters also had other things that they were dealing with that to the outside world would be viewed as a flaw. That was hinted at? And like, if you really did the work, you could probably try and draw that parallel and stuff, but it was not nearly that clear to me at all. Like, that makes this entirely different story, basically. Oh, wow. So I'm excited now to see this turn into a series because I feel like you do get to have all that background and world building, which, as a writer, I love in everything. Like, shout out to Avatar <laughs> Day, Avatar on Netflix now, prime example of that. I digress. But that seems like a wonderful opportunity. So basically, it seems like Disney Plus is the right place for this because you get the, they get to just throw all the money they want to at it because there's nobody telling them it has to get canceled or go off the air or anything. They just have fun. Absolutely, and mm. it sounds like where, as you were saying, Riordan wasn't, didn't seem to be consulted or listened to much on the movies, it sounds like he's going to be very involved in the series, so that should be good too. Oh, and speaking of, he actually had a quote in the video he had announcing this where he said, we can't say much more at this stage, we are very excited about the idea of a live action series of the highest quality. Following the storyline of the original Percy Jackson five-foot series, starting with The Lightning Thief in season one. Reardon tweeted in a follow-up statement, Rest assured that Becky and I will be involved in person in every aspect of the show. So that makes me have all the faith that things will be done right. And also, you have an entire season to go over one book versus trying to crash it all into like two, two and a half hours. And since we're on it, I have to say, if you haven't checked out not just these books, but other of Reardon's book, and especially... The Rick Reardon Presents series, which is a series that he curates that features authors of color with stories about their own mythology that isn't often highlighted and a lot of times is looked over by publishers. Please, please, please go check it out. Um, I have Aru Shah, which is about the Indian pantheon and the Indian mythology. It's absolutely amazing and last October came out with Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky which is about an African-American seventh grader who creates a hole into the mid-past and in the mid-past African gods are fighting with gods of African-American traditions and he has to find a way to fix this hole so that it doesn't destroy the world. So not only should you read those books but the other reason that I'm really excited about Disney Plus picking this up is because there are so many worlds that Reardon has either created or has helped bring to the forefront that I think would be perfect for a Disney audience. And I'm hoping that they continue this relationship and bring some of those to life as well. Well, we both have homework to do this summer. 
<laughs> yes, I will watch movies. You will read books. It will be great. So I think that brings us to our lightning rounds. Of course, we go over a lot every week, but we can't get to everything. So here are a few other things we wanted to put on your radar. New Mutants got another new release date. It is set to be released on August 28th. It was met with a lot of skepticism as we have been seeing delays since 2018, I think. So who knows if it'll actually come out. Maybe. that I think that would probably be on brand if it came out during quarantine and no one could actually go to the theaters and see it. So we'll see. Uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman series, which is an amazing graphic novel, will be available in audiobook form beginning on July 15th, and it has a great cast of voice actors, so definitely check that out. And just to make everybody happier and calmer and just full of joy, Hamilton, with the original cast, will be releasing on July 3rd on Disney+. Plus. I have been trying to avoid Disney+, Plus. But it is no longer an option. I will be getting Disney Plus and I will be watching Hamilton. And you should too. So that's our lightning round and that's our show for this week. If you'd like to hear any of our thoughts on these or anything else in nerd news, please feel free to tweet us at Black Nerd Problems with the hashtag TWINN. That was This Week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture news. I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. And I'm your host, Keith Lee Cleveland. Please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bye!